Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest news and chapters for in the manga industry. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. Rock, how are you? Awesome. Glad to be here as always, Kevin. Yeah, I, I'm glad to have you here. We're going to be talking on a bunch of stuff, including SpyX Family, the Chainsaw Man anime trailer that just came, came out, and the Eisner yeah. Awards as well. So I'm glad to have you here for, for all this discussion. Um, but before we get into all those topics, um, I just want to do some quick housekeeping to get out of the way. Um, as always, you could uh, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you could get uh, your podcast service for it. And we would love if you l- reviewed the Manga Revolution podcast on those platforms of uh, five stars. That really helps us out with the rankings. Um, you could also find uh, different um, things that Rock and I are working on for the comic book and manga industry on comicbookrevolution.com. Uh, we have a lot of stuff with comic books and manga in there. And I know we have some plans for more manga stuff. So you keep an eye out for that. Um, you can follow the Concord Revolution at CB Revolution on Twitter and the Manga Podcast at the Manga Podcast um, on Twitter as well. And you can find me on Twitter at the Kevin Lainez and on TikTok at Nerdy Kev. Rock, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rock with two Ks Revolution. Awesome. Um, now, before we get, we're going to talk about Spike's Family Chapter 62 today. Um, but before we get into that uh, chapter discussion, I want to talk to you, Rock, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that came out this past week. And one of them is the Chainsaw Man anime trailer. We got a new one mm-hmm. um, that just got released that really hi- hyping up that it's going to be released here in 2022. It didn't say summer or fall, but since it didn't say that, it, we're leaning towards the fall being when yeah. it, uh, it's going to release, which is going to be a very, very... Uh, packed fall from everything that's been announced so far yep. again for those that might not know the um, anime studio that's working on Chainsaw Man is Mappa which who is known for Jujutsu Kaisen and this the final season of Attack on Titan um, and it was also announced by Crunchyroll that they are going to be doing a dub for for it as well so you'll probably start get seeing the dub like about two or three episodes into the uh, Chainsaw Man anime. I know for their popular stuff like Spike's Family, this Crunchyroll has actually been like only an episode behind from Japanese release. So it's been uh, nice. So, so uh, <laughs> I'm guessing that, especially with Chainsaw Man's popularity, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it follows kind of similar trend of translating as quickly as possible because of how popular Chainsaw Man is. Which Rock, I'm not sure if you saw, but this anime trailer <laughs> is was treated very specially just because it wasn't just like the anime news sites or the nerdy news sites right? that we get from like Anime News Network or. Yep. Or uh, or IGN or anything like that, but we also saw like CNN. I saw CNN yeah. or I saw EW published this yep. uh, trailer. So it's like it definitely has that mainstream appeal, like that people know this is going to be a huge franchise, like Attack on Titan has become um, in later seasons. Uh, yep. What what do you think of the trailer first? Oh, I thought it was amazing, yeah. absolutely kick ass. This is what I was hoping we would get with the Chainsaw Man anime. I had complete faith in Mappa because I think Jujutsu Kaisen. And Attack on Titan final season are both gorgeous looking. I mean, just beautiful animation. So I was fully confident that Mappa would hit it out of the park with Chainsaw Man anime. And based on this trailer, Kevin, they hit it out of the park. It is beautiful. It is everything I wanted to see. This is what my mind was envisioning this manga would look like on TV. It was phenomenal. Exceeded my expectations. Yeah, and I also like that uh, they kind of play play with your emotions for people that might not know the manga, like yeah. with like the silent dinner scene, like of the three yeah. characters. I was like, oh, they're they're hitting the right tone because they're so, they're yeah. they're about to surprise people of what Chainsaw Man really is. And you see that in the trailer where you have the silent dinner scene, and yep. then 
it switches right into all like the crazy over the top <laughs> action of like the, like the character the chainsaw man character bloody and like taking yeah. people out and all that stuff and all the different characters there is just like they're really nailing the tone of this and they people are going to really be surprised of what different tones this this series takes because like the only thing that really is missing from this anime trailer is like the etchy part of the uh, anime that i'm guessing that it will still be there but they're not they're leaving it out probably um and i'm sure that it will surprise some people with that stuff Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping that the anime embraces Fujimoto's style of really letting the, the art tell the story, because there are huge stretches, Kevin, in Chainsaw Man's manga where there's no dialogue. And it really does help with the, like you said, it's really the tone of the story. It really drives it home, makes it more powerful on the reader. Well, I'm hoping that the anime is the same. I'm hoping they, I know sometimes there's this tendency to... Don't let there be empty you know, silent scenes. Let's fill it up with dialogue. Nope. I hope that they allow there to be plenty of silence and let the anime kind of the animation part carry the story. That would be great. Well, that's kind of the tone you get in this because there's no really dialogue in this no. in this, and it's all about the silent scenes. It's, mm-hmm. They're really pushing the animation forward of, of yep. it, and I do get the feeling that they're going to uh, do that a lot, especially with when it comes to the action stuff. I think that that they're going to tend to like the over-the-top action sequences and this, that's what this trailer definitely gave me absolutely i i have i have hope that that's what we're going to get and that's fantastic it's so important the 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 silent quality of chainsaw man is one of its its uh secret uh i would say it's one of its little uh manga has that makes it so successful that people don't really fully realize it until they read it and experience it themselves yeah, and the crazy thing is what it's the the series itself is only like what 79, 80 yep. chapters or so. Yeah. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how much they adapt in the anime if like if they kind of slow the pace. I wouldn't be surprised if they slow the pace down a little bit to get more out of it. Um yeah. and give more character moments as well. Cause like I like you said, there isn't that much dialogue in it. So I'm I wouldn't yep. be surprised if there's some original dialogue in the anime too. Um I can see just that cause, just because Mappa, like especially with like Attack on Titan and all this and Jujutsu Kaisen they like having some more stretched out moments compared to the manga. Um, yeah. And again, it wouldn't be a bad thing because if you want to delve more into some some characters, I think it does it, it's sometimes needed, um, especially mm-hmm. when the main, main character is the focus of the manga, which is a big positive for it. But at the same time, you want to see more characters get time in the spotlight too. Oh, yeah. Um, there are no real talkative, chatty characters yeah. in the manga for the most part. And you're right. You've got 97 chapters to work with, Kevin. That's not a lot. If this if this is going to be successful, I'm supremely confident oh, yeah. Kevin is going to be a hot anime. And if they want to really run with it and have multiple seasons, well, you've got 97 chapters to work with and not a lot of dialogue, which means yeah. you can blow through those 97 chapters at a fast rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you, and you, we've seen that. Like, though we have also seen with MAPA, they're not... Uh, they will take their time with stuff because yes. you see that with Jujutsu Kaisen so hasn't had the second season come out yet. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's supposed to either be, I think Jujutsu Kaisen's second season actually isn't until next year now um, so. from because they just had the movie but and then they announced that um, the second season isn't until next year. Um, and then Attack on Titan, it's the final season stretched out to 20 parts, I think now oh, at this God, point, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll um, never end this final season, Kevin. Never end. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think what it, in reality is what part four, five of, of it. Yes. Usually a f- final season only gets two parts. Yes, but two anyways, but days. but like I said, Mappa usually does take their time. They're, they're not a studio yeah. that will rush out products. So even if this Chainsaw Man season is only 13 episodes or however many episodes it is, 
I think that's the one that's a positive with Napa, and sometimes it's also a negative because they take their time um, because we, we're so impatient. But at the same right. time, at least they they are a studio that does take time to deliver us as high quality, and it does feel like that for um, what we're getting here. And so, even if it's only thirteen episodes, it's going to be fun, um, and we'll, we'll wait for whatever second season or however many seasons. Because I do think this is definitely, like you said, it's going to be multiple seasons, um, and you could see that with how it's getting mainstream attention. Like when, when an anime, like any, any form of anime or like comic book movie or anything like this gets uh, mainstream attention of like where you're getting the EW write, writing up something about you, you right. know, you have something special. Oh, absolutely do. It's not every day that anime gets that kind of mainstream attention, Kevin. So that was a big deal. When I saw that popping up on mainstream sites, I was like, Ooh, hold on. Yeah. This is a little, this is a little different. Look, we all, we all know that anime is very popular and growing and that manga is juggernaut at the moment but still to get that kind of mainstream media attention is not the norm it's yeah. great to see yeah uh, and, and, and you do need and you do need that because um we do have some mainstream attention where like whenever dragon ball comes out but really dragon mm-hmm. ball is the only one that's reached that level of like where others yeah. are writing like the mainstream is writing about it yeah um outside of that unless it's like a live action movie that's coming out like really anime doesn't get that much mainstream uh, attention um, I know like Naruto in the past has broken out a little bit, but it's not to the degree of Dragon Ball. And I think really the only franchise that's close to that is Attack on Titan. Um, yeah, where Attack on so. Titan, just yeah. because of how long it's going on and how popular it is. Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, it's good, good to see that Chainsaw Man, even before it debuts and it's season that it's, uh, yeah. it's getting, a, it's getting mainstream popularity already. So um, now, Going away from the Chainsaw Man, we also had the Eisner Awards uh, nominated. Again, this is usually more North American uh, based, but we do get a lot of um, international um, attention for it as well because there's some international categories. And this year was actually a unique year because for I, I'm not sure if it's the first time I'll have to look it up more, but we had Viz Media actually beat out DC Comics and Marvel and other publishers from um to have the most series nominated so dc like there's a caveat with that um viz did have eight nominations five of those different series that got nominated were in the uh, best u.s edition uh of international material for asia um so they had five of the six nominations there um and then dc comics also had like nightwing and uh wonder woman historia they got multiple nominations in different categories. So they technically, DC Comics did, that technically had the most total nominations, but in terms of just single series, Viz Media did have the most, which is again, no- notable just because they also were having in different categories as well. So um, Rock, what do you think of like, let's talk about just Viz Media having so many nom- different nominations and just kind of dominating the um, best U.S. edition because they had five of the six, which was Chainsaw Man, Kaiju Number Eight, Love Sickness, Juju's uh, um, Ito's Story Collection, Spike's Family, and Zom One Hundred. And then the only other manga that was nominated for that was Robo Sapiens, which was a Seven Seas Condancha uh, um, manga that came out. So, what do you think of Viz Media's dominating international Asia? Well, it, it, there's two. I have two takeaways here. One kind of the more narrow view of just the international market it's not even close they they're they own that section and it's kind of unfortunate that kadasha and other publishers are not more aggressive in the united states as as shueisha is 
I mean, just Swaysha with Viz, highly, highly aggressive about going out and dominating the North American market. And Kadancha and the other publishers just are not doing it anywhere near the same level. This just highlights the fact that these other publishers in Japan, they have to step up their game in North America to try to truly compete against Shueisha. I want that. You want that. Why? Because we want more manga. And the more competition there is, the more you and I, the consumer, benefit from it. So I really, this just highlights the problem right now of one publisher being all in North America and the other one's kind of being like, eh, well, whatever. We'll, we'll sell what we can in North America, but we really don't care. It's not a priority. Uh, that's That's my first takeaway. Then my second takeaway is that the Eisners, you know, yes, Viz led the way with the most nominations. Of course, what's impressive, Kevin, is that they led with the most nominations by being restricted artificially to one category because the Eisners are protectionist. And, uh, oh, well, I was going to say that uh, Zom 100 also did get nominated in Best Humor um, publication um, yes. on that. And then also, um, the Disney adaption of Cruella was nominated in best adaption for from another medium, right? Um, as well. So, and then Juju Ito was nominated for best writer and artist. So, yep. like we did see Viz, there's a few. like there's there's some like but obviously best there's story, well, or there's nothing from manga. Yeah, best single issue or one shot, bro. Let me tell you what you didn't put look back in there because if you did look back, would have smacked all these competitors out the gate. Because it was the best one shot or single issue, uh, so, so it's still no, it, I, I, you know, I, continuing I, I, series doesn't have any. I would, I would probably though. say the look back was probably because it hasn't been published physically yet. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing that I wouldn't be surprised to be honest if look back yeah. is nominated next year because it's I'd be interesting because, to see if they will. Because when you look at what's nominated and how they like Eisner it's different when it comes to manga because they're basing it off what's published here in the United States. Yep. So that's why you're still seeing Chainsaw Man being nominated because Chainsaw yep. Man technically was part of the it just finished publication here in, in the United States. Yep. And Spy X Family, what it, what it got nominated for was actually the first three volumes. Was It wasn't for the current volume right. that's been released that we know we've read ahead in the Viz Media mm-hmm. app. So I think there there is some technicalities with like how they're treating it because they're not treating it as like with the Asia like with how it's released in Japan and how it's released on on our end in terms of the app because we're experiencing the current chapters yes. through the app. It so is- I would be I wouldn't be surprised if something like a look back or or, or goodbye Airy is uh-huh. te- is going to be part of the next year's Eisner's Awards because that's when it's going to get published here in the United States because I'm guessing Goodbye Airy just got announced that it's going to be right. come out in Japan on July. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year we get Goodbye Airy, like the one shot published here in the United States. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they so, do. But I, I do think that look, I do, I would think that look, look back because especially with how they're, how much attention uh, Fujimoto is getting, <laughs> that it's going to get nominated because of how, how popular Fujimoto is right now. It, I hope it does. I mean, because look, they lock manga out of best continuing series. They lock them out of best yeah. limited series. They lock them out of best new series. They lock them out of of uh, best publication for early readers which is just ridiculous they lock them out of best publication for kids 9 through 12 that's silly lock them out of best publication for teens 13 to 17 ridiculous uh there's no reason why they should be locking manga out of those categories 
for any other reason other Kevin that they're worried that manga will sweep all the awards because manga is destroying American comics on the market. No. They don't want their American comics <laughs> to get embarrassed and pantsed in of the awards uh, category, like so they I, are in the sales category. Yeah, and I also I like think it. yeah, and I also think that it's good that like Ito continues to get like on the opposite side. I will well, I will argue with you about this is that. It is good to see like Ito getting nominated for best writer, um, mm-hmm. and then the, the humor publication, and then like a, that the adaptions, and also the digital comic. Um, we're seeing like that love, uh, love after world domination, which yes, because I've yep. been say, talking about that that manga forever <laughs> now. Um, that uh, it got nominated in best digital comic. We're starting to see like uh, other manga get penetrate penetrate these markets. And I think it's just speaks to like the exposure of manga right now to the main, in terms of the mainstream comic book audience um, yeah. where. We are seeing it get more attention. I think we're seeing this with the awards, like the Academy Awards has started to not just recently over the last few years, like that, like allow like international movies to be nominated for best picture um, and things like mm-hmm. that. So I, I think this is not just an Eisner Awards thing. I think it's just more when it comes to North America, we're still Very, like we're getting protectionist. Exposure. <laughs> we're protectionist and we're also getting ex- more exposure. And I think now that it's so easy to access it, it's harder for these awards to be like, no, we can't put these because not many people have access to it. I think now that we have access, because like when it comes to like the Academy Awards and Oscars and all these, all these awards for movies, they can't argue that people don't have access to it or people like it, or there's no translations for it because we are getting that because thanks to Netflix, HBO Max and all these streaming services. Same thing with the Eisner Awards, you're starting to see now that because American audiences are getting much more manga here in the United States and much quicker pace than before it's harder it's not harder but it's more easier to see that they're starting to put them in these like categories and i wouldn't be surprised if eventually the Eisner awards creates a new category where best overall series because they do split it up right they also yeah have, sure because mm-hmm. they also do have different um categories for european yes and and all these other markets so yep. they, they they do still split it up that way of like mm-hmm. this is for north america like all the normal nominations that don't have like asia or Europe or something like that are for North America, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if eventually the Eisner Awards does adopt a category that's all-encompassing for European, Asian, African, right. or uh, adaptions, too, because I think that's where it's moving to towards eventually. They got to. They, at some point, it's it's inevitable when uh, manga is just eating your lunch <laughs> and uh, sleeping in your bed and hanging out with your wife. You got to acknowledge they exist at some point. Yeah, and like I said, it's not just uh, it's not just manga, but it's also like all these other forms of entertainment that. Yep. So that's and I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we do have like a yeah. full world category of like best overall series, and then we we'll, we see like a couple comic books, a couple manga, and then a couple different uh, uh, light novels or something like that appearing mm-hmm. in that stuff. So, cause, oh yeah, because it's definitely moving towards more of a worldview instead of a oh, yeah. singular North American view, which is oh. which is cool because I, I do give Eisner Awards credit for actually recognizing more than just a typical mainstream uh, uh, manga. Because we're also seeing like one one of the other ones that got nominated was uh, in the best like, academic and scholarly work. We had a uh, um, Eisner's um, comics and or origins of manga, yep, a, revision, I saw that. Yep. a revisionist history. Um, mm-hmm. So we see stuff like that. That's cool to see that things are getting nominated that way and it's not just the typical um mainstream stuff of like chainsaw man and that we know is becoming a big thing um yep and we're seeing a lot of different manga 
and I'm, I'm sure you like that it's your your boy kaiju number eight and spikes oh, family yeah. get get nominated right maybe maybe this year spikes family will have a chance of winning right <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's hard this is a hard choice to make i mean i've got to pick between chainsaw man kaiju number eight spy x family those are my three favorites yeah. out of the bunch here yeah so if you would have to see what, what what what's your like just going on that category what would your pick be for that like, mm. for okay it? well out of those three i'm gonna knock kaiju number eight out of the out first because as much as i like it i, I find it to be clearly uh weaker than chainsaw man and spikes family so we'll knock out kaiju number eight first boy chainsaw man and spikes family kevin are such radically different genres and tones and the stories are so, so, so different. It's really hard to pick one over the other because it's, it's Kevin, this is like telling me, hey, pick the best, pick the best movie of the year from the best action movie and the best comment and the best drama drama. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to do. OK, because they're so radically different genres. I'm going to go, Kevin, since this is a Spy X family, podcast, <laughs> I'm going to go with Spy X family. OK, <laughs> yeah, and I would I wouldn't be surprised, too, because. Especially with how popular Spike Selling has gotten this last year. Right. Yeah. I think there's more people that have read it. And um, I think there's more exposure to like maybe like the voting audience yes. will, will be exposed to what, what it was compared to last year when it also got nominated. I don't right. think there was as much exposure to it as there is, I think, this coming year. And I think that's a big deal for this. Yeah. Like any of these like international categories, I think it's about exposure and has mm-hmm. the voting like the voting audience for this the eyes yeah. awards have they all been exposed to it have they all been reading it and i think spikes family is probably like outside of chainsaw man to be honest the one that i would say would win this mm-hmm. and i would i would maybe give spikes family the slight edge because it has a wider uh potential for wider appeal than chainsaw yeah. man i think chains I think I, I will find a larger cross-section of readers who will hop onto Spike's family more than Chainsaw Man. I don't so know if that will, plays a role or not with the, with the voters. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. No, I will say, I think the wild card, it would be a wild card for you and I, because yeah. we haven't, I don't, I don't know if you've read it, but it would be love sickness because I think that Juji Ito has yes. penetrated the like American audience in terms oh, yeah. of, especially like the, seems like uh, who, who everybody recognizes as one of the best mangaka right now is mm-hmm. Juji Ito. Because he was also nominated for best writer and artist, I wouldn't be surprised if Lust Sickness also wins. But that's because of Juju, Ju- how popular Juju Ito is right now. With like all his stuff seems to be like award winning stuff right now. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. No, I that is absolutely a possibility. Even though it's not what I would go with. You're right. The the points you make, absolutely the case. You could I could easily see Love Sickness winning. Yeah, and, which is surprising to you because Juju Ito's stuff hasn't been isn't like super mainstream or his no. like not a mainstream name but it seems like in terms of critical appeal he is the guy like the mangaka that's most yes er, er, like like a lot of audiences know um and yeah. his his stuff is critically acclaimed because he yes. does a lot of great stuff and there's a reason why he he is the one mangaka that's nominated that had, was nominated for best writer and artist so mm-hmm. um so and i think that's a big deal too that and I, that's why i think that as much as I want Spikes Family personally to win, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lost Sickness wins, to be honest. Well, look, there's zero chance, uh, call it right now, there is zero chance the Eisners give Best Writer Artist to uh, Mangaka. Zero chance. So instead, they save face and they give uh, uh, Ito the, uh, the win over here in the uh, Best uh, U.S. Edition International Material Asia category. 
There you go. Yeah. That's a possibility. Yeah. Cool to just see that. Like I said, um, I think we're seeing just more manga getting into more different yep. categories. I think that it's always, it, it is a like as much as we want to see it in best series and all that stuff. I think when it comes to these awards, I think the smaller wins are a big deal just because we'll, sure. I, I think we will start seeing hopefully like within the next year or two, like a manga nominated for just best overall series. And it's not just labeled in its own special Asia category. I think, I think that's going to be a big deal. And I wouldn't be surprised within the next year or two that we get that. Cause I think a lot of the voting public, like these people that are voting for it, I think they're getting exposed to manga much more or like not avoiding it as, as much as it they used to. <laughs> not avoiding it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Not, yeah. not actively avoiding it anymore. <laughs> or like, or, or people like our age are getting into becoming right. part of the voting and that actually yeah. grew up with that stuff. So I think right. that, that's important. Cause I know that yeah. people like Scott Snyder and um, a lot of, yeah. Like more um, has talked about My Hero Academia in the past, mm-hmm. and I think a lot more comic book writers and artists have talked about their how manga has influenced them, and I think that's important too. That we're starting to see not not the older audience age out, but more of us, our age group that did grow up yes. with it or did, has been exposed to it, be part like now be part of that. And I think that's also the other important part is that now our age group that grew up with manga, grew up with anime, is starting to be getting this power of being allowed to vote. So. That's all. So, I think again that that's the power of voting. So, um, and <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's uh, congratulations to all the nominees and it's uh, and Viz Media for dominating the um, and Suasha for dominating the international material for Asia. So, um, g- good job on that. So, hopefully, me Kondasha will get a uh, kick in the butt and start publishing. Seriously, here. <laughs> get on it, Kondasha. Come on, you can do so much better in North America. It's it's, it's a shame. Yeah. So, but anyways, just going off that and um, we're going to finish up this podcast by talking about the most recent chapter or trilogy of chapters really for Spikes Valley was, was chapter 62. Um, we had Endo do something different and he's been doing this a little bit more as of late is that he's releasing a, a, a chapter, but it's actually a point like they're doing 60, like with this recent one, he did 62.1, 62.2, 62.3. And they've actually been four chapters. They've been 27 pages. It's not like he's cut them back on being like nine, nine, nine pages per chapter per part, um, which, which is an interesting thing. Um, I'll, we'll get into that uh, decision making um, at the end, I think, of this discussion. But what we get, why I wanted to talk about chapter 62 with you, Rock, is that um, this actually gets into the origin story of Lloyd, of um, Lloyd Forger, who we know as Twilight as well. And how we get into his origin story is that in the previous chapter, Anya, because she just got another uh, demerit, uh, like her Thunderbolt demerit, um, she she somehow used her psychic powers to actually knock him out, and this caused him to have a flashback during his his dream sequence, like basically dream his entire life. Um, And we actually see his kind of true origin story. We don't, the one thing we don't get in this this trilogy of chapters is that we don't get his name because that is redacted. Um, yes, I love yeah. that, Kevin. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So anytime like somebody tries to say his name, it is redacted. Um, yeah. Like you would see in a redacted file. So um, we never get that. Um, what we do get is a little bit more details of his childhood. And we've seen in flashbacks here and there, like especially early on in the series, yeah. we've got some flashbacks of Twilight of like his childhood. We know that he was his entire family got um, killed during a bombing. And this we, we get those details of like it was first uh, like he did grow up with friend, a friend group. Um, but he did feel a little bit ostracized just because of how how he acted as a kid. Um, but he did have a close relationship with his parents. The first one to fall, unfortunately, for for him was his dad. 
and then in another bombing, his mom also died. Um, so that kind of motivated him to join the uh, Westonian army or West Ellis army. Um, so where he also used a fake fake name of Roland Spoofy, which was an old person in in his town that I he decided that to take. Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> continued in the whole Lloyd Forager, right? Right, um, right. Of, as well. Um, he joined the army. He actually got a lot of friends in the army as well. We saw like throughout the chapter that he did was friendly with people, but he also ends up meeting Frankie during the like him being in the army because Frankie is actually an Estonian, which is the other side of the conflict of the war that we've been he hearing about throughout Spy X family. Um, and yeah, we overall just kind of see how he goes from being a little kid, uh, like innocent little kid to this ar army guy that that is fighting, a, fighting this basically what we continuously think about as World War II, um, but it's not really World War II, but it's kind of that base concept of it. Yep. Um, and how he goes from being an army army guy to becoming tw the Twilight we know, and that's kind of where we end the end these trilogy of chapters. Um, Rock, wh what did you think of? Let's go first. Let's tackle like his childhood. What did you think of like the childhood chapter? Because that was the first part of this. Right. I thought it was great. It was just the it was just the amount of information that I wanted about. Lloyd's character. I didn't want, you know, a flashback. I didn't want his origin story to just give me everything. I, I still want a few things to wonder about. And we do. We 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 travel from childhood to him become entering into the program to become a spy, but that's it. So we don't get everything. But what we get from his childhood, it's just enough to ground his character. I like that up until now. We haven't learned about Lloyd's childhood. I like that. It's you needed some mystery as as the manga progresses. But look, we're in chapter sixty-two, Kevin. It's it's time to give us a little bit about his childhood. I think, and so we get enough about his childhood to really give us okay. What is what is Lloyd's? What is his core motivation that makes him do what he does? And it's this look into his childhood that really gives us the it's. Childhood scarring is often a hero's main motivation, right, Kevin? I mean, look, you look no further than one of the first superheroes of all time, Batman, right? Childhood scarring is what motivates the hero to be who they are. And you see how the childhood scarring has pushed Lloyd to become who he is now. And it's a very powerful motivation. And I thought it was done, it was done very well. You, I, it's always neat to see how a character when they were a kid is so much different than they are now as an adult because he is he is the quintessential calm, cool, collected, could do everything, uber talented guy, super smooth. And as a kid, he's kind of nerdy. He's quick to cry, kind of soft, weak. I but, like that contrast. No, no, also he is very talented because he does yes. meet his friends when they're when they're doing their um playing playing the army army yeah. like he always beats his friends so they're yep. like you do see early on how like he had a lot of talent even as a his kid. natural like, skill he, yeah he was a natural spy like he was going to grow yes. up to be a spy because of like his natural talents yep and i also love that we don't know his name yeah. i love that his real name is redacted hmm. kevin this is something marvel should have done with wolverine when they told us his origin <laughs> you don't need to tell me everything and though i wanted by chapter 62, Kevin, I did want to know a little bit more about Lloyd's past. And I did want to know something about his childhood. I really did. But I still want I still want his character to be mysterious at heart. And by not allowing me to know his real name, 
it allows Twilight's character to retain a little bit of mystery. We have been let into his into his most personal thoughts, but we are still kept at bay a little bit. And I like that. That was a really that was a really nice move, I thought, in in telling the the childhood story. Yeah, and I think going back to like how the we've seen it in flashbacks of going into more detail of the crying uh, little boy Lloyd that we've seen in flashbacks, because I think that's really the only flashbacks we've seen is that Lloyd uh, as a child in the middle of a destroyed town and crying. Um, And that's kind of what we've always got implied that that's what shaped his entire mindset. We do see that in the following chapter, like parts in this chapter that that's not all of it, um, that, that in terms of what shaped them, but in terms of this childhood chapter, I did like that he, that we see how, important family and friends are to him um, and that was the focus that it wasn't that he was like a loner it wasn't that he was right. had this lonely lifestyle that maybe he was close with his parents and that was it it was that he did actually have a group of friends he did pl- like play like he was a normal kid and mm-hmm. i think that was that's important because we have seen so much in the present that he tries to disconnect himself from the world but we see that that's not really who he he's been and like we see that in the following chapters too um that at, at his core He's a family guy. He right. he's doing this because of family. He's doing this because he wanted to protect his mom. He wanted to protect his dad. He wants to protect his friends. And at the end of the day, he does want internally. He does like, and he doesn't know it. He does want people close to him. Yep. But he fights against that. And we've seen that so much in the present day. And it's nice to see like him growing up that he did have actually a positive, uh, even though he was living in a wartime. Right. Um, he, in terms of like that time period, he lived as in as much positive environment as possible. It wasn't abusive childhood. It wasn't right. anything like that. It was like he, he supportive mom, supportive dad. From what we know about his dad, um, which I, it's interesting that we don't talk like they, they don't talk about his dad very much. And that no, and I, I do wonder if that's part of the redacted part because like well, there's I, still a mystery of like his dad because we only hear about his dad possibly dying, um, and but. Whenever you get that type of stuff, you could kind of tell that that there's more to that story than oh, yeah. that, especially with how he's recruited, uh, right? And, and those some, something back, <laughs> yeah. So it does feel like he is holding something back with his his parents, uh, like his mom and dad. Um, and I I like that. Don't give us all the details, like you said. Don't give us all the details. Just give us enough. And I think that th- that first cha- this first chapter with his childhood gave us just enough to be on Lloyd's side of understanding Lloyd even more. That just going back to it of like even though he fights it in the present he's always grown up with a family. Like he's grown up in a family environment. He's grown up with a friend, a friend group. So even though he fights that in the present, because he, he's the super, super be- uh, spy of like being the best in the world. That's not like his core character is not pushing people away. Right. And I think it's important. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's important that Endo's showing us since he did come from a good family, since he does value family relationships, he does value his friends it plays into the fake family that we have right now yeah. with Lloyd and with your, your and Anya. Now the reader's like, well, hold on. You know, Lloyd's been playing coy and, and aloof and standoffish about how he really, as a kid's annoying and the wife is just, I just have to have all this for a mission, but it's only because of a mission. That's the only reason why I have a wife and, and, and a kid. It's just the mission. No other reason. I'm not attached to him. I don't really like him. Now we're now the reader's going, well, wait a minute. You are a family guy. You do like your friends. So now maybe we're going to see a little bit more of Lloyd going, oh, the tension of 
really liking having a daughter and having a wife and having a family unit and it being more than just the mission and growing into that. And it makes it a little bit more interesting. It gives the reader, because you know, what is the reader hoping for, Kevin? The reader, like in all kind of uh, romant, romantic comedies like this, we want to see the, the, the man and the woman together, right? We're, we're just, we're waiting for the moment where Lloyd and your, you know, smooch out genuinely right that's what we're waiting for okay and it gives the reader hope that oh hold on he has the family man inside of him we just got to bring it out yeah and it just kind of like just going into it of that this lloyd forger persona that he's crafted is really his kind of true persona right um, at the end of the day and we see yes. that with like just going into that it's what he it's what he wanted to be right yeah if it hadn't been the war this is this is what he would have yeah. wanted to become which is get interesting to get into it just because I, I think you and I have talked about it offline that Lloyd has a lot of elements of like reminding us of Captain America uh, yeah. in terms yeah. of like his character. And we get that into se- like going into the second part of like him joining the army and his whole motivation for the army is to protect, protect and end this war really. And we see how badass he is. And, but at the same time, even in this chapter where he is this military guy and doing all, like he knows that he's doing horrible things when he gets back to the, like the military camp, he has this friend group again, like we like right. just like he had yes. with his childhood. And obviously that doesn't end well for him because he loses like it, it's implied that he loses all his friends in the army um, right. because of the war, which, again, further motivates him. But it's just all like motivating him more to be this super spy of being like this guy that continuously tries to fight against it. But he's not fighting against like he doesn't want to not have friends. He does not want not want to have a family, but he. It's just that he's seen so much death in his life and those, those people that he loves or appreciates and has grown up with taken away from him because of things that he couldn't control. That yeah. That's why, like, in the present day, he's fighting against the idea of family because, like, he doesn't want to... He, he doesn't... He sees it as he's trying... He always constantly tries to convince himself, Anya and Yor are my mission. Like, everything I'm doing with them is a mission. Right. I cannot be connected to them, but it's... Now we're getting more into the, those details because we see that in the... The second chapter or and also the third chapter because it kind of continues the set what the second chapter sets with the army um is that he's had a, just suffered a lot of loss like on top of his mom on top of his childhood friends he also saw, like all his friends in the army and like everybody like really everybody he's known in his life that he was close to he just lost them like unfortunately because of this war yeah yep it's it's it it all works so well i think this I appreciate how the backstory we're getting with this childhood really does help present day Lloyd become a more interesting character. And I appreciate that because often you get a backstory and it, maybe it doesn't really add a lot to the present day situation. This really does, I think, add a lot to Lloyd's character. I think he needed it too at this point in the story as far yeah. as, you know, as far as we are. Yeah, and I think it also just kind of gives more motivation of why he's been so intense on ending the war, too. Because yes. he has so much motivation on top of just being the national pride, on top of like seeing, having seen it, a lot of horrible things, but he's also wit- like witnessed it up front. And mm-hmm. he's had to deal with so much that he is a person that he feels like he needs to take it upon himself. Like, I need to put, put an end to it because I don't want more, more death and destruction, not just around me, but around other people that could grow up like me because I don't want them to deal with that horror. horror. Um, And I think it just gives more motivation of why Lloyd has been so adamant of working as hard as he could because he, like, 
it's been a joke in the in the present day when it comes to like how much work overworked he is and because he's like one of the he's their, their best spy but yep. it just gives more motivation of why he does it like why he pushes himself so hard to do all these missions when like he's doing more missions than a normal spy would make do and they even that like his bosses even say that that like we gotta overwork you but he accepts it because he wants to just end a war like and that's like his whole motivation is ending the war yep it's 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 all it's all it's all fantastic i mean and before before you leave the childhood i just want to mention one thing because we're talking about how endo fleshed out lloyd's character story-wise in his childhood did you not love the art Mm -hmm. the artwork in particular the art's fantastic as a kid it has that youthful energetic vibe you know the fresh face bright eyes smiling and everything everything you would expect in a youthful story but an endo, I think maybe we, or I'll just say I don't, maybe I don't give endo the type of credit with his art that I do over, uh, over with um, Fujimoto on Chainsaw Man. Endo can do the silent moment as well, too, and make it super powerful because the scene where his mom dies in the bombing and he's running to, to where his mother was, you get, you get him running, running, running. And then you get a page of Kevin. It's nothing but just him. The dialogue bubbles of him yelling "mom" and some and screaming. But that, but you don't get anything else. It's all it's a white page with just these dialogue bubbles. And then you get a double page splash shot of just white with some black flecks, kind of like you know post explosion kind of looking. Yeah. But it's, it's very blank, very negative space. And then boom. He's there where his mom was, and it's it's post bomb wreckage. Yeah, I, I thought that three page, three pages of art leading up to you seeing Lloyd it, it, where his mom was after the explosion. I, Kevin, that moved me. It was powerful, way more powerful than any kind of dialogue or or actually showing me the scene, the negative yeah. face. Just the, I thought that was strong, strong storytelling, good use of art. I like that. Yeah, and I think for, for me, even more important than that was just like the facial expressions too. Cause yep. like, again, as long as I always, when I think of artists, like it doesn't have to be um, the, the greatest art in the world, but I think the thing that you will always want to nail, even in the dia- like scenes where there's no dialogue is the facial expressions of the characters. And I think he does a really good job of getting the pain of Lloyd in that moment too, where you right. do have like his up close shot. Um and I think that was the most important part because you're right. Seeing all the destruction is is strong and all that yes. stuff, but I think it's nothing without the without the reaction that Lloyd has at that moment right. as well. And I think that says more than any words could because you you could understand what he's thinking at that moment. Yep. And like he almost, he almost dies in that moment, like his previous life, whatever his previous name was, mm-hmm. um, or his real name was. Um, you could feel like how kind of almost like the Bruce Wayne moment of like his parents dying. Like that's where some people will argue that that's when Bruce Wayne dies also. Um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of does feel that way as well, that, that whatever his previous name was, mm-hmm. that, that life is done. And he knows that. And going into like the next chapter where he picks up a new name of Roland, uh, what was it? Roland Spoofy. Like it's not just a fake name that he picks up, but it's also like the identity that he takes on in his adult life, really. Cause he's like that previous person that I was in my childhood is gone. And I just, I'm just an army guy and I got to just adopt whatever name I could. Right. And that, that was really who he was at that moment in his uh, adult life. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's 
chef's kiss, Kevin. I wouldn't change anything about this origin story that we got. I, I was so satisfied with the childhood origin. I mean, we could talk about the, the point three chapter about yeah. the adult in a second, but the yeah. childhood part, perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I liked about chap- the second part, part of the chapter, like point two, um, 462, is that Lloyd is also fate, and also this goes, I think this goes into also point three of like when he meets Frankie, which like he, Frankie's not named in this, but like the right. character design is Frankie without his like afro. Um, like he has like a much shorter hair, but it is Frank, it does seem like it's Frankie. And we learned that Frankie's actually an Estonian, which like has never been, I don't remember it being mentioned that it, he was an Estonian, that he was from the other side. Yeah, I don't um, remember that. So. So it's an interesting little detail that they established within the dialogue that this he is a runaway Estonian in with Stalies. So yep. I thought that was an interesting detail. But I think Frankie brings it up to to um, Lloyd is that like why are you fighting this war? Why do you just naturally hate us? We're all people just trying to survive. And I think that that was an interesting thing because like it gets into his own biases and kind of almost racist tendencies towards the Estonians because he's. Yep he hates them so much because of what he, they did to him as a child that he stopped thinking about them as people. But now, like, this op- actually, op- like, his, this meeting with Frankie opened his eyes to, like, I'm not trying to just kill everybody. I, like, the Estonians, I'm not trying to wipe them out. That's not the point of this for me. It's actually, I just want to end this war because I just want to end, the, uh, like, all the chaos and destruction that's going on and all the death for both sides. And the best way to do it is still, like, again, he has the nationalist pride for his country. <laughs> But at the same time, he just wants to end a war because he, right. like, Frankie kind of opens his eyes to being like, there's so many normal people like me on the other side, too, right. that are suffering as well. And so that kind of is a cool thing to add into his character of, like, dropping the hate that he has technically for all people that are on the other side. It's right. He still hates the people that are in charge of the other yes. side, um, but he doesn't hate the people because he knows that there's a lot of normal people like Frankie that are just trying to survive. And I thought that was an interesting way to frame the war here because there's like, there's a lot of innocent people and that's what Twilight and Lloyd uh, recognizes it in that, in this chapter. And I thought that was an important thing to establish as well. Oh, no. What was so interesting about point three is that Endo is able to take a character in Frankie Franklin, who, to be honest, Kevin, up until now has been a very one-dimensional character who's really there for comedic relief and that's it that is it which is fine you got to have those characters i'm not it's not a criticism at all you got to have those kind of characters yeah and he's like the one friend that lloyd seems to have right that's right but it's interesting that endo picks this kind of one-dimensional comic relief character to be the character that delivers the defining moment to lloyd it is frankie who delivers the very poetic, very poignant dialogue, monologue about why war is a joke and why you can't hate everyone on the other side and that there is no reason for for us to be doing this. It, it, It all has come from the character who we up till now has seen as just comedic relief. I like that twist. A, it disarms the reader because you're not expecting anything serious to come from Frankie's mouth. <laughs> okay. And B, it, it, again, Endo's able to take this flashback scene. And now, Kevin, when we see Frankie next being goofy, 
he's going to have more depth to his character. He's going to have more nuance to his character. And that's important. We use the flashback scene to now flesh out and give more depth to what was a very one-dimensional supporting character going forward. That's great as well. I like that. Yeah, and I think it's also important just because um, it makes Lloyd realize also like how much the people in power take away the people's agency, in the, uh, people's agency yes. just like himself and all the people right. that they didn't want the war. Like they, right. They're just in the war because the people in power told them that they have to be in the war, right. which gets into like the core mission that we have in the current or, like present day that continuously implies that like why he wants Anya to get make friends with one of the people that uh, or the kid of one of the people that that's in charge is because that person is an extremely powerful person. And that if he gets close to him and possibly just kills him or is able to capture him, it ends the war. And I think that's the implications of that. Um, and it's just how, how much like he just wants to take the people in power down. Like that's all, like all his missions have been involving that stuff of like taking the people in power down. So that way, cause they're the ones that are, just causing all this like they're the ones that are causing both sides to fight and like there's so many innocent people and i think it's a good framing of like lloyd wants to just end a war for her so that people could just live a, a normal life again correct it goes back to friends and family again yeah. Kevin. we return at the end of point three we return back to the theme of family and friends being lloyd's motivating factor we have the agent who has approached him to join the the military spy agency and we have the agent asking him you know okay look you know you're, you're gonna have to become for the sake of your country you're gonna have to become a shadow enter the spy program and Lloyd basically tells the agent look I don't look I don't care about the country and I don't care about the war that doesn't mean anything to me and the agent's like, well, why are you here? Lloyd doesn't answer. You see some kids running by and playing, a bunch of little friends playing, right? And Lloyd replies, no reason, no reason at all. And the agent's like, ah, come on with me, you little liar. So now we've known Lloyd won't tell anybody the reason why he's doing it. Remember, Lloyd, had, this, this is the transition, Kevin. This is the transition from Lloyd the soldier to Lloyd the spy. He is no longer going to let anyone know what he truly feels. All right, he's entered that world of the spy. He's made that, this is where he's made the switch where mm -mm, nobody gets to know the truth anymore. That's for me to know and no one else. And I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to get my, to, to further my objective. And his objective is what? To protect family and friends. That's why you see the kids running by while he, he's not answering the question about why he's doing what he's doing by joining the spy agency. That's powerful. And those telling you through the art, not the words, why he's doing it, and then he's having Lloyd's words tell you he's keeping it secret. But now we know going forward in the present day what his motivation is. It's all about his family and his friends that he supposedly doesn't, you know, not attached to, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And you see that too, like what how chapter 62, the final part of chapter 62 ends with like him waking up from his dream. And, and like after he gets out of his days, Anya tells him, like, oh, yeah, you, you kind of fell asleep because I told you that I got another demerit. Um, and he, and she's like, oh, crap, he, he's going he's going to punish me. And she runs away, which is a great com com comedic scene that evil dad is back. Yes. Um, and <laughs> but I like that. that he like he actually does learn from the dream that he just went through of like once he learns that Anya did it because she was protecting like one of her friends. Right. He's like, actually, I do understand what, what Anya was doing at that moment. And 
tells her, hey, you know what? Friends are important. You should cherish them. And I think just like you said, it goes back to, I think now we know that the main motivation for Lloyd and everything that he's doing is friends and family. You, mm-hmm. As much as he fights against it. That's right. As, like he doesn't try, like Frankie, like he says, oh yeah, Frankie's not my best friend. He's just my informant. Uh-huh. Or he's not my wife. She's just, she's just a person that I have to do this mission for. Same thing with Anya. She's just mm-hmm. a kid that I had to, had to adopt so that I could do this mission. It's constantly just going back to you. He does actually have family and friends that he ha- that he doesn't realize he has to pro- like he feels he needs to protect and he does in those moments where like he just naturally says oh yeah how, how much you should care about people yeah like he also cares about these people as well and so it's like it's an interesting thing and again like you said at the beginning it's a cool way to just give more depth to a character without revealing everything because it does feel like they're holding some stuff yeah. back like Endo does have more to tell with Lloyd's story. And I think the more interesting thing too, is that this establishes that we're going to start maybe possibly getting more backstory for all our characters. Cause we've heard like the same thing with Anya and Yor. We've heard about what happened to them in terms of why they are where they're at, at the, when, when we first, in the first chapter, but we've never gotten those details. And I, maybe we'll start getting more opening up of like why Anya was experimented on, why is she a psychic right. or what happened to her family? Cause we've had those scenes of like how, those are traumatic experiences for her. same thing with your where why is yours like without a family why does she have to raise her brother by herself we never really get those details and maybe now Endo's going to start giving us more of those details not like not give it, and i think this builds confidence that he's going to do it in a way that doesn't give everything away when he does it and but he's starting going trickle it in, and i think that's a good thing for it for the series totally agree i have i have complete based off the story arc i have complete faith in endo to do just the right amount on the origins of Anya and Yor and hit it out of the park. I, no fears at all at this point. Yeah. And, and what do you think of this release, this release strategy with these point issues? Cause this isn't the first time we get this. Yeah. We, just, we previously got this in chapter 458 was also <laughs> the same thing where chapter 58 was made out of these three parts that were also what 27 pages um, each part. Um, what do you think of the strategy that he's like signifying that this is the way, like kind of almost stories are being told is through these points of like, it's not a full chat, like technically full chapter, but it's like point one, point two, point three, and it's just signifying, oh, this is actually a story arc itself. It's interesting because you're right. Point one was 19 pages. Point two was what 22, and then point three was actually very long. It weighed in around 30 pages. So he's not skimping on page count. What I, this is why I like it, Kevin. I like it because what he's doing with the point, whatever chapters. He's telling the reader, okay, we have our overarching story, right? The big story that, that, that I'm going to run from very beginning of the manga to the very end. That's the overarching story. And then we're going to have multiple story arcs, big story arcs that chain together my overall story. But within my story arcs, I'm going to do, I'm going to hit the pause button. I'm going to hit the pause button on the, on the main stories and all the main plot lines. I'm going to hit the pause button. And I'm going to focus in on just one character or one little story that has nothing really to do with anything else. I'm going to hit the pause button. And then at the end of those point, whatever chapters, I'll unpause the story and we'll go back to the main story that I have going on. And that's what he did with the 58.1.2 and 0.3 chapters. That was just this little side adventure of Bond and Twilight. It had nothing to do with anything else going on, Kevin. So he just hit the pause button on the main story had a little fun side adventure for yeah. three point you know point one point two point three of 58 and then hit 
the unpause button. We went off the main storyline. And then same thing here with 62.1, 0.2, and 0.3. He paused the big main storyline, and we just investigated Lloyd's past for a little bit. And then he unpaused it at the end of 62.3. It's really cool. I, yeah. I, actually, I like that point because it's telling the reader without having to be, you know, bonk them over the head. It's, it's letting the reader know, hey, we're going to take a little pause from the main story for a little bit and have fun over here. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. I think, I think we always talk about, too, how, how you have to train your reader, whether you're the publisher or the writer. Yes. An yes. artist, um, you do have to train your reader to think that way too. And I think that these last two times that he's done this, I think is starting to train the reader to think that way. Cause now like, like you were just saying that you think that way now too, of like when you, whenever you see a point one or point two, you're like, okay, this is a story arc, a side arc that will, and we'll dive into the character specifically will be character centric arcs of not just like the overarching story It's going to be, we're diving into a specific character or a pair of characters um, the, like in a deep, deeper way than I would if like I was doing this in a normal story arc or a normal um, part of the overarching story that I, I'm telling you. And I, I I agree with you. I think it's a cool way of doing that. I think it's a unique way of doing that because I haven't seen another manga do it because I've seen other yeah. manga try the, the point five, like where they do an interlude like yes. chapter like to yeah. uh, because they're taking a break and that's a shorter story, which he has implemented too. He's done a point five, yeah. mm-hmm. a couple of short stories here and there of different like side characters. Um, but I like that he's starting to take the time to just kind of spend more time with these characters that we've already grown to like over 61 chapters with of learning. And now where he's diving into a more, and I think that's, that's a better, um, better, much better for the longevity of the series that like, we're just starting to actually get into the real characters and just not, not always, it doesn't always have to be a comedy, which he does. I think one thing that we didn't talk about, I think he did a good job with, in terms of adding some comedy in this, like, very deep story oh, yeah. like, i agree there, there's moments of like levity yes. and all this stuff and i think and it's all always lloyd like it is levity because of like yeah. the facial expressions that he has or of all the relief and all that stuff and i think endo again like he he has built my confidence for like he's always going to have a good mix of even in the dramatic scenes he knows when to time the good comedic moments so that it's not always Absolutely. super heavy heavy stuff because this isn't yeah. a heavy manga at the end of the day this is a lighter manga and he's and he did a good job in this, I think, chapter as heavy as it was to have some lighter moments here. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, when we first see Frankie in the flashback scene, we first see Frankie. He's like, don't shoot me. And, yeah, I haven't had a chance to be with the woman yet. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's Frankie, there you go. And you got you to chuckle. And so he never keeps it. He he always knows when to mix in the the, the humor and the humor always works, Kevin, because it's, it's very consistent with the characters in the scenes. You know what I mean? It never feels it never feels forced. It just it just works. So, yeah, again, it's a fun title at the end of the day, no matter how serious the moments might get. It's a fun title at the end of the day. Yeah, I think my favorite was at like the last the last chapter was um, was when he um, when he first meets uh, uh, Sherwood and she's yes. like, I'm going to train you. I'm your trainer. And he's like, yes. And then you see his shocked expression and you see him fading into the background. Like, oh no, I'm going to get, and then all, like all the tortures that he probably went through it all, yes. through all his training. It was like, yeah. oh man, he, he, uh, he did not know what he was getting himself into and he did not whatsoever. <laughs> and of how, how bad things got in terms of his training. And he, and uh, I think it was a good comedic way yeah. of like getting like, oh yeah, he went to spy mode and yeah, he yep. probably didn't like all of it, but he, he did it anyways. <laughs> right. that's, that's, that's who, that's who Lloyd is. He always does the job that he needs to do. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's and great. again, I, and I just like that Sherwood again. Just she does. They he, Endo does such a good job with like how limited time we always yes. have with her. 
Yes. She's always a standout character anytime she appears. And I, lo- I love that. And I, I kind Absolutely. of want her, uh, anytime I see her character, I want more of her. And I, yeah. I, I wish he would spend more time with her just because she's, she's such a cool design character and a cool, mm-hmm. like the, her dialogue's always, I feel cool. It is. It's, oh, no, it's great. He, she's, he uses her perfectly. She is a nice, little, uh, a nice little spice that he sprinkles into the story. And it, it always works. It's always entertaining. So, but, uh, but overall, again, it, it's fun. And this is fun. And I, I do hope that he does more of this stuff and hopefully like we, we don't have to wait too long to get into yours backstory. Cause I think that yeah, even more so That's than happening. Lloyd, like, I think we've gotten just as many teases about her mm-hmm. and I kind of hope that we get, get her backstory too. Cause I think it's going to be just as interesting because we don't know. We really don't know anything about your either. Like no. outside of, like outside of her raising her, uh, having to raise her big brother or little yeah. brother. I mean, sorry, uh, little brother and her having, been an assassin for at least since her teenage years we don't really know anything about that so i I think it's going to be interesting to see like where those teases that endo has spread across the series like where he's actually going with her story it's going to be another i bet you it'll be done the same point one point two point three format as well when we get yours backstory i'm sure yeah and i'm guessing i'm guessing your will probably be next and then he'll save anya for last uh yes no i'm almost positive it goes because because in general uh, it seems like Endo has kind of had Lloyd as uh, character 1A, your character 1B, and Anya as character 2. Well, yeah. In general. Yeah. I would even say you're, you're onto the most recent arc. What, like her big arc was yeah. probably like even three. <laughs> oh, I think she, <laughs> no, I think you could she, say that. No, you could, yeah. you could put behind Anya. Yeah. You're right. That's a fair yeah. point. I, 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 I honestly do think that sometimes your fades into the background a little bit. She does. When, no, it comes, she when, does. It, when it's not her stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. But now that I think more as the series has gone on, you're right that she's starting to share more screen. Like, because yes. I think Endo has started to realize, oh, your has actually good chemistry with Anya. So, and, yeah, and right. Lloyd. So I think he has, she has the best chemistry of, with both characters. That's uh, right. Um, compared to everybody else so agreed um all right awesome well rock i think that's really where we're going to end it i think we both enjoyed this chapter i think and it was just on another level right now it's by x family totally and we're really doing great work so um i'm excited for the next chapter which we're gonna get in i think eight days now so right so we gotta wait another week we're not getting one this this week unfortunately but well be patient he's um and he's uh lived up to like his schedule and yep given the confidence for all that so Um, Again, thank you, Rock, and I hope you have a good rest of your day and everyone else, you, you as well.